1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family. Good morning to our guests and friends who are worshiping with us here in the sanctuary as well as online. It's such a delight to be together as a people of God to give worship and praise to our Heavenly Father. So we look to him for his blessings as we we continue to worship. We come here with various needs, but the Lord knows exactly how to meet uh, our needs. And uh, we are confident that he has something to say to us which can be helpful to us as we go through another week. The title I'm using for this series of messages is the royal road to happiness. The royal road to happiness. Today I'm beginning a a series of messages based on our Lord's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, which was read for us. I'll be looking at what is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes, and each of the nine Beatitudes begin with the word blessed. The basic meaning of blessed is happy. However, happiness in a biblical sense has a much deeper meaning than we tend to give the, to give the word in our modern English language. Happiness as the Bible speaks of it, is a spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts, regardless of the pain, the sorrow, the loss, and the grief that we experience here in this earth. No one is better qualified than Jesus to teach us how human beings can be happy. If we listen to him and obey his teachings, we'll experience that quality of life which we call happiness. So what would it take to make you happy? The question was asked of 52,000 Americans some years ago by the magazine Psychology Today. Among the answers were having a good job, being in love, Recognition and success, more sex, a good financial situation, having a nice home or apartment, being attractive and beautiful, being married. Now, the interesting thing about this survey is that most of the respondents think that if you have the right set of circumstances, you will be happy. Of all the subjects, Jesus could have chosen to speak on when he started this Sermon on the Mountain. He chose the subject of happiness. Why? Because he knew that was what everyone was searching for, but very few find it. Jesus wanted the people in his day and us today to understand that happiness does not depend on the right circumstances. It is not how much we have, it is what we are that makes us happy. Happiness is a choice. We are as happy as we choose to be. If our happiness depends on everything going our way, we will be miserable for most of our lives. So let us listen to what our Lord, the master teacher, says about happiness and follow him down the king's highway to eternal blessedness. Jesus says in the first beatitude, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the question could be asked, why does he begin with poor in the spirit? There are nine of them, but he chose uh, to begin with um, poor in spirit. There's a very definite order to these beatitudes. Poor in spirit is one that must come first, for there is no entry into the kingdom of God apart from being poor in spirit. All the others, in a sense, result from this first one. So the question then is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? The thought that genuine happiness and satisfaction comes from being poor in anything, is diametrically opposed to the conventional wisdom of today's culture. In the minds of those who have bought into the world's way of thinking, verse 3 ought to read, Blessed are the rich, the famous, the powerful, the movers and shakers, the important, the aggressive, the glamorous. In today's world, being poor in spirit is equated with being depressed, weak, timid, and passive. Everyone knows that this is not the way to get ahead. This is not the way to attain happiness. Today's conventional wisdom teaches us to assert ourselves and to care for nothing but ourselves. God's wisdom and ways are radically different from the current thinking of our secular society. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19, If you think you're wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Now, spiritually speaking, to be poor in spirit is to humbly bow our hearts to God, acknowledging our total dependence on him, recognizing our spiritual poverty, that we have nothing that we can offer God, that we are sinful and that we need the mercy and the grace of God. It is to understand that apart from Christ, we are spiritually destitute, It is the conscious confession of our unworthiness before God. Now, Luke 18, 9 through 14, offers a vivid illustration of what it means to be poor in spirit. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men... Went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner." I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, two men in the temple both prayed. Whose prayer did God hear? The religious Pharisee? Oh, no. Because he wasn't praying. He was simply giving God his resume. (laughs) Jesus said that God heard the other man's prayer because his words came from a broken heart. One man was rich with pride. The other was poor in spirit. One man thought highly of himself. The other felt his shortcomings. One man impressed with his own accomplishments, the other depressed by his sin. One man boasted, the other man begged. One man recommended himself to God, the other man pleaded for God's mercy. One man was saved, the other lost. Only it wasn't the good man who was saved. He ended up lost. And the bad man, He ended up being saved. You see, by nature, we are self-righteous and filled with pride. And it takes a miracle of God's grace to bring us to the point where we are genuinely poor in spirit, recognizing who we are before God. But the second point is the importance of being poor in spirit. By poor in spirit, Jesus is talking about humility. Admitting that you don't have it all together. Realizing that you haven't arrived, that you are not perfect. The good news translation of this verse is, Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The point Jesus is making in this first beatitude, is that humility and happiness go together. They are twins, soul mates. If you want to have lasting happiness, then you need to learn to be humble. There are practical benefits to being humble. One, humility reduces stress in our lives. When we are humble, we realize that we do not have all the answers. We realize that the world and even the church does not depend on us for its existence. Humility accepts the fact that you can be happy because you are depending on God, though things may not be ideal in your life. You may not have the best job. You may be poor in health. Your family life may be in turmoil. Your finances may not exist, so to speak. Your life may be far from perfect, and you can still be happy. You see, when you live your life in dependence upon the Lord, it reduces the stress in your life. As the stress goes down, the happiness goes up. But um, another benefit of humility is that it improves our relationships. No one wants to be around arrogant people. Selfish, self-absorbed people are an irritation to all of us. They wreck relationships and destroy fellowship. Because self-centered people are unhappy, they make everyone else around them unhappy too. On the other hand, all of us love being around people who are genuinely humble. You see, when we are humble, we get along better with other people. Humility does not mean that we think less of ourselves. We just think more about others. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 5 says, Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast, but be humble toward one another, always considering others better than yourselves, and look out for another's interests, not just for your own. The attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. So when we are poor in spirit, it reduces stress and improves our relationships because we are more inclined to ask for forgiveness when we are wrong. We do not have to be right all the time. It becomes easier to say, forgive me, or I was wrong, or I need your help. See, when we are walking in humility before the Lord and depending on Him, we are more immune to insults. Insults don't bother us quite as much because our focus is on pleasing the Lord, not on gaining the approval of others. Whenever we we become extra sensitive to criticism, that is a sign that we have stopped walking in humility. Wherever there is contention dissension, someone has a pride problem. James three sixteen says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The third benefit of humility is that it releases God's power uh, to us. James four and verse six. God opposes everyone who is proud, but he blesses all who are humble with undeserved grace. God does not ignore churches and individuals who are proud. He actually fights against them. He opposes them. So imagine the implications for the church. How can God bless a ministry or a church that is composed of or led by people who are proud and who only think of themselves and gain power. The fact that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble ought to cause us to re-examine our hearts to see if we are part of the problem that affects the church's health and growth. Would you like to have God's grace poured out in your life? The secret is to walk humbly with God, focusing on others and depending on God. God's power is seen in our lives not because of who we are, but because of who God is. The secret of power is admitting helplessness. And the secret of happiness is humility. And the secret of independence is dependence upon God. But the last point is, heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of heaven says Jesus. All that God has to offer is ours when we live in dependence upon Him. The kingdom of heaven is ours. It's a kingdom that is infinitely beyond anything that can be obtained this side of heaven. An unbelieving world may view us as as nobodies and as fools to believe in a God whom you cannot see, but the God of heaven and earth calls us his sons and his daughters to whom his kingdom belongs. The words poor in spirit sounds as if they are describing the owners of nothing, yet they describe the inheritors of all things. Billionaires will sink into insignificance The wealth and power of drug cartels and the power brokers and autocrats of this world will evaporate, but the poor in spirit remains a boundless, endless kingdom, incomparable in its glory, where the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. The kingdom of heaven is far more than just a figment of the imagination. It's more than the sentiment of a lofty vision. It's more than the desire of an emotional high or the wish of a misguided people. The kingdom of heaven is a place where graves never open, gates never close, tears never fall, hearts never break, and problems never occur. The kingdom of heaven is a place where friends never part, jealousy never exists. Rejoicing never stops, doubts never arise, and blessings never cease. Although numerous difficulties and heartaches will be our experience here on this planet, in the kingdom of heaven, we will never be perplexed by problems, confused by circumstances, frustrated by failures, shocked by tragedies, discouraged by defeats, or forsaken by family or friends. Instead, we will spend eternity worshiping, praising, serving, honoring, magnifying, and adoring our blessed Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom kingdom of heaven, which is ours, will be worth all of the disappointments we may have to face here on this earth. It will be worth more than all of the hardships we may have to endure. It will be worth more than all the battles we may have to fight. It will be worth more than all the burdens we may have to bear, all of the sorrows we may have to suffer. And it will be worth all of the crosses we may have to carry. Until that day, until that hour, until that moment when we inherit the kingdom of heaven, We must continue to fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith, and resist the devil, for there is no place to stop until we hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God to meet the Lord in the air. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and we will shout the victory. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.